You're listening to episode 171 of the Tennis Files podcast on how to transform your tennis strokes with special guest Devor Dekaris. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. This is Mirban back again with a really cool interview with Devor Dakaris. Um, he has a really wonderful background and he's a really cool guy. And tennis coach, he is the stroke development and high performance coordinator at Stone Creek Club and Spa. He is also the founder of Tennis House, which has grown into a wonderful community of tennis coaches and players. He very impressively has over 52,000 followers on Instagram and a ton on Facebook as well. And I have come to find his material really good. I mean, he shares a ton of awesome, really in a lot of cases, quick tips, techniques, drills, and advice, uh, but they are really to the point and they help you a lot. I mean, I found myself trying out some of the things that he has put on his social media platforms to very good success and uh, really impressed again by how he's built up uh, such a great community with Tennis House, which is spelled uh, H-A-U-S. And um, Devor is a certified USPTA elite professional. He was previously a tennis instructor in Berlin for 10 years, and he also played on the ITF and Futures Tour. So in addition to being a fantastic coach, he is also a great player as well. Um, he's played in the highest divisions of the German team tennis leagues. He was also awarded the, the 2017 USPTA Southern Pro of the Year. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have him on. You know, I can tell with DeVore that he just has a genuine passion for the game of tennis. He just really loves uh, putting out tips to all sorts of, um, you know, players of all levels. And he has been given uh, a lot of uh, praise by some some great people uh, and interviewed a lot of great people too. Um, and I know that I watched actually a live stream of, of him and Peter Smith, uh, Coach Peter Smith from USC. And Coach Smith was saying a lot of great things about DeVore and how Coach Smith actually learned from uh, DeVore's uh, content. So a great coach like Peter Smith is learning from DeVore, then he is definitely doing something well. So yeah, and uh, before we get into the show, I just want to wish you all well and hope that you're doing well and that you're able to play some tennis. I know in my parts uh, of, of the U.S. and Maryland, it's actually getting quite cold. Uh, I think uh, this morning when I woke up to do some some uh, my my daily morning workout, it was 33 degrees, so teetering on the precipice of ice. So that's going to be a little dangerous. Got to watch out for that these days. Although it's going to get a little warmer later on. But enough blabbering about the weather, which is the common talk. You know, when you first talk to people uh, 
just around the water cooler or whatever. Uh, all right, I need to stop talking about this, but <laughs> just random stuff um, from my brain on this uh, this fine evening. But I'm really excited to get into this interview uh, with Devore, and it's all about technique and how to transform your tennis stroke. So we get into some basics and also some maybe what you might consider more advanced concepts regarding the serve, um, which I always love getting into. Uh, the forehand, the backhand, both the one and two-hander, and volleys, um, and even some tips about coaching and some other drills. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one and have uh, pen and paper if you, if you can, or just I uh, hope you have a good memory, but a, a lot of really great gold nuggets in here for you to to improve your game. And we'll also have all the links that I mentioned on the show, of course, on the show notes page, and you can always check out tennisfiles.com slash podcast for all the episodes and the show notes. So, all righty then, without further ado, here is my interview with Coach Davor Dakaris. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Falls Podcast. I'm really uh, honored to have uh, my friend Devor Dakaris uh, on the Tennis Falls Podcast, and I'm really excited to have him on um, just because he's uh, a great person and a great passionate coach for the game of tennis and he has really uh, helped a lot of a lot of players and coaches. I don't know if you've been to Devor's uh, Instagram handle at Tennis House, which we'll link the exact handle for you to check out. But uh, you know he's got over 50k subscribers or followers. I think like 52.6 right now. And uh, yeah, just doing a lot of great work. And I really love seeing his posts, which he posts a lot, uh, you know, on Instagram and, and you know to help everybody improve their game. So. Devor, uh, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, and it's great, really great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. Likewise, so you know, I watched a lot of your podcasts, and uh, I see you online a lot, and uh, I love what you do. The same, same back to you. You know, I'm improving other people's games and trying to help. Right, that's why I think that we're driven by the same passion, and uh, I'm as well honored to be here with you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Devor. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just I've I've personally learned a lot. From your uh, tips, you know, a lot of times you're you're posting pretty concise, but also very helpful uh, tips on uh, mainly Instagram is what I see. Um, but I know you probably have some other places where you post as well. But just curious, you know, with the the guests th- these days, I'm I'm wondering how the conditions are with obviously the craziness that's going on. So how is tennis currently uh, in your home state of uh, Louisiana? Yeah, I mean, as we all know, the the cases are growing, but um... Other than that, it's. Uh, I'm actually this year. I've been busier than I've ever been at our club. It's. Uh, it's crazy. I I teach a lot of junior players, so I'm the high performance director, and I, I love doing this. And the kids were home, and uh, so I could spend a lot of times with them. So I guess that's part why I was so busy, and I'm still busy. And yeah, we unfortunately we had a hard time here with like hurricanes coming through, like three. One hit us a little bit, and then the other two went more to the east. So it uh, wasn't easy. The year isn't easy. Um, but as I always say, out of everything, I try to take something positive, you know, and try to find ways to make it make it better, you know. So that's easy to say, oh, we got hit by the hurricanes. We, uh, you know, the people are not coming to take lessons. So I, t- I try to be proactive, try to get people on the courts, and uh, yeah, try to have this positive mindset. Yeah, that's that's all what it's all about. Uh, you know, just persevering no matter what happens. You know, I'm just curious about the backstory about 
tennis house. I mean, like I said, you've been doing such a great job. So uh, when did you first decide to actually create uh, tennis house? And then, you know, obviously you've done a great job, but what was the first time? And then also what inspired you to do that? It was 2016 in January. And I remember that there is a, my mentor and um, uh, like one person I would trust with everything almost. And his name is Scott Gutterman. And uh, I went to him and told him, look, Scott, you know, where I'm from in Germany, always coaches always think they know each, they know everything. Players know they're the best. Uh, they think they know everything and no one really shares things. And, and, you know, we are in 2000, uh, you know, 2020 now, but like at that time I was like, you know, we have to go with the time. Why don't we use Facebook, Instagram? I wasn't that big at that time. So I created a Facebook group. Um, just to try it out. I knew a lot of coaches from around the world, so I invited over 150, 200 coaches from all around the world and um, some nameful coaches I knew as well, so that helped. And I started to put my own coaching in there because when I was young, I was always uh, looking for advice. You know, we didn't have the internet. Uh, you know, we had to go to the library to find <laughs> things. No, but it's that. Uh, all right, I'm not so old, but like what I want to <laughs> say with that is I just wish um, there would be ways to just say, hey, my hard courts crack pretty quick. And, you know, what do I do? Who do I contact to come and fix that? Or my bomb, my ball machine uh, doesn't work anymore. Why those things and the technical things you can do with the kids? Hey, uh, you know, I can't get rid of this waiter, waitress position on, on the surf. Guys, can you help me? And so I put stuff of mine, my coaching in there. The feedback was good. So that's why I kept doing it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then other coaches started to post and then it just grew. So it started all on Facebook. So the, um, mm. I think I'm at 13,000 coaches. It's mainly like tennis coaches and uh, right. physios and people who have to do something with tennis. Uh, not necessarily players. I wanted to have that group like exclusively for coaches and people who have to do something with tennis. So mm -hmm. I'm still in it maybe 10 minutes a day. I'll just check if everything is going well, if no one, you know, curses, you know, you have to always check on those things. But mm -hmm. my main focus is Instagram. And that has a couple of reasons, like Facebook restricts a lot of things now. You know, you just uh, follow, you, you just ask 10 people to join your group and then you have to re-log in. They kick you out. Are you spam? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like it's just getting I understand why they do it, but it's uh, it's a little bit too much in my eyes, you know. So on Instagram. When you look at the data, like it's from 18 to 55 and maybe 60, there are a lot of mm -hmm. people that, that are on Instagram. And Instagram is just at the moment, TikTok is coming, right? It's a little bit different, but it's a little bit fun. But I think now that the videos can be long with Instagram, um, you can just reach so many people. And all the guys, all the tennis players, like Marin Cilic, Lauric, uh, Gofa, not, not even Nadal was on Instagram, you know, so they're all on Instagram. So, you know, I was like, all right, platform. And as you saw, uh, as you said earlier in our previous conversations, um, you know, every platform has something good and bad to give, right? And so YouTube is different than Instagram. And uh, I, I just picked Instagram um, for the reason that it has a lot of young people and a lot of like, not old, but like, you know, people who have a little bit more life experience there as well on, on Instagram. And yeah, my main intention was just that, you know, there's so many parts in this world where people can't afford to have tennis lessons. 
and there is still a good way online that you that you teach yourself something you know like let's say not just africa there are also like many places you know that that have like you know maybe like very you know, poor people who, who cannot like access like or have tennis lessons right so yeah. that was one for sure one intention i had to help others to get better with what they do and and the other thing is to you know you always want to test yourself right so if you want to get better at something you want to see so when i put my coaching out you know either you, you know you people like it or you will get feedback right so uh, so you I, I wanted to test myself um yeah how others like what i do and so far the feedback was okay i guess yeah yeah no it's it's amazing i mean we were talking and you, you earlier obviously before we started recording and you mentioned that you're getting you know like a couple thousand a, a week or something like that which yeah. is amazing and yeah you know we're good, obviously going to get to a bunch of uh technique tips but just curious, uh, and this can be helpful for even tennis players to, to figure this out, but I checked your Instagram page and you posted, I think, eight times in the last 24 hours, which is just amazing. And it's all, you know, great quality posts, obviously. So uh, what has allowed you, and you obviously, you have a, you know, a full-time job as well, coaching. So uh, how are you able to stay consistent and, and keep posting, uh, you know, every single day, multiple times, despite other things that are going on, and you have a family as well. So, what's the secret, Devor? <laughs> that that's a very good question. It's all about organization. So, mm. um, you know, there's like at the beginning, I was reading a lot of books, what to do, and and a couple of them it said, you know, pick the leaders in your in your industry and look what they do in in Instagram. So I was looking at uh, functional tennis, at Joe Myers, at uh, two two minute tennis. I looked at you, I looked at Will, you know, I looked at everybody. So people don't, people, if I say too much, they, they, they will lock me away. So, <laughs> so I, I spent so many hours in, in, in researching, right? But the key is to tennis house, you know, we did tennis conferences as well. It's not just like the online platform, you know, I had Emilio Sanchez Arancha, uh, Douglas Cordero, Dominic Teens Fitness Coach, and Mr. Andy Brandy, Mark Kovacs. Just name it. You know, I had them all on the tennis conferences. So people know that, you know, some decent uh, educational information gets through. So all over the world, you know, I speak seven languages. So wow. uh, all the guys sent me things and that helps me as well. You know, I can speak with German guys in German, Italian, Italian, English, English, Spanish, Spanish. So I communicate. Uh, I communicated over the last and I still do it a lot. Uh, I communicated a lot with the people and they tag me and send me things. So I get daily, like a lot. I think I, will, I get around 100 videos every single day from all around the world. Wow. So what I do is to try to spend time with my family always. The end. <laughs> besides, as I said, I'm full time. So on a Sunday, for example, I look through everything. I, I take myself like three, two to three hours, three hours on the weekend. And I just look through everything and I make a folder where I just say, uh, you know, good stuff, I call it. So uh, I put it all in there and I try to see other good things too besides all that. So I, when you type in the hashtag tennis, sometimes you find people you, you haven't seen yet on the top posts, right? So I just look what they do. And, and with the time, as I said before, I spend 10,000s of hours of seeing who's out there. I could name you right now, 150 people. And it's important to to make a list, do whoever is out there and is, you know wants to do something with on Instagram or any other platform. I I have a list on on, on my computer with over 170 great accounts. 
So I get constantly from them stuff. I ask other people and then everything I repost. Obviously, every single post I reposted, I have permission from the people. That's mm -hmm. the most important when you guys do that. You know, ask for permission. So every every one of those posts, uh, I got the permission to to repost, and they want it because, and that's a cool thing. You know, like ninety nine percent of the people they understand the concept. If you're good, you want it out there, right? So you know, it's not like they don't know. Oh, please don't share it. It's mine. So in the, in the tennis industry, it's a little bit different. Everybody wants it out, and you know, you know, if it's good, and, and under my criteria, what I think people want to see, I. I make a folder and and then I try to stay consistent. And then you, with the time, you know that you get so quick. You know, right now, if someone sends me something, it takes me thirty seconds, and I've posted it, and it's done. You know, so it goes cool. fast. That's awesome, Devor. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so yeah, no problem. Yeah, there's no, no secrets. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, whether you want, and that just shows you know how much uh, you know Devor wants to help everybody. So yeah, I mean, whether you you know you want to be successful at Instagram or other things and follow that or you can even transpose this to tennis as well which is you know basic big concepts of modeling you know great players uh great coaches whoever and then lots of yeah. planning you know planning your what you're going to do throughout the week like for your practices i mean it all it's the same you know a lot of times yeah. with life and tennis so um 100 yeah. percent. it's one of the most the, the planning is the in my eyes the key you know in tennis you have a student you assess them or her, you watch them play in a match, and then you go from there and you make a little plan. And the most important is that you, when you create those plans, that you have obtainable goals, right? So mm -hmm. otherwise the people get discouraged if you can't reach them. So that's very important, and it relates to everything in life. Yeah, you're 100% you're right. Yeah, thanks a lot, Devor. And yeah, actually, when you talk about uh, obtainable goals, I mean, do you have players sometimes, do they come in with... Uh certain goals that maybe i don't know they see they they don't seem so obtainable or like how do you approach uh you know goal making in general with your students that's a that's another good question you know i think we live in a society in in, in, the, in times where i believe it's made too easy for the kids to obtain things like you know parents help so much and you know when i grew up there was no internet help. There's nothing. I, I, I had to do everything, you know. And then sometimes people come to me and say, hey, Devor, um, you know, my goal is to play Division One." <laughs> you know, so and then you look at the, at the player playing, you know, you look at watch the whole match. You, you have things, you know, I like to look at the when I watch someone playing, I like to focus on the mental part and the physical part. It's the first two things I look at. Right. So I look how they behave after winning, losing points, what the you know, are they grinding and hustling on the court? What is the body language uh, phys physically? You know, what will they look like? I look at the parents, you know, what, what, you know, you try to get ideas and then I look at the tactics, you know, and then the last thing actually I look at is, is uh, the technical part because, you know, like there are other, other things, the technical part, you can, you can still work and mold a lot, but the mental, you can't, if Nadal wouldn't have the drive to win like he has it, he wouldn't have, one thirteen, like you know, Roland Garros. Yeah. That's just you have to have certain things to be good. And for me, it's like a big time is the mental part and and the physical part. That those two things are for me very crucial. And the rest is all trainable, and you can teach them. But um, yeah, when when you, I think as a coach, I'm at the point in my career where like you know, and when I was younger, I maybe made a mistake. Some you know that you have to be straightforward. 
to, to parents and kids. You know, if you do not believe, you don't know what's going to be. You don't know if they're going to play Division One or not. You know, like you don't know those things, but you have an idea, you know, which direction it could go because, you know, I do it since two decades, right? And, mm -hmm. and if I really think it's not realistic at all, I just tell them, look, you know, I, I think, you know, sit down with them and I'm, I'm, I'm transparent, you know, and I tell them, look, maybe that's not, uh, so maybe we should aim first to become a really good high school player, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then just see and go from there, you know, like I don't like to um, go and put the, put the um, hopes too high. Right. I'm working with a kid right now. So he wants to play Division One. His name is Brody. Uh, wonderful kit and I believe he can do it because he lives and breathes tennis so 24 7 mm -hmm. he knows everything about tennis he watches every video he's constantly on and I think that's missing in our days a lot of kids you know you have some decent players and they're like yeah who, who just won a fr uh, French I don't know like they don't they don't they you know I feel like you have to be interested in in all those things and then he yeah. looks compares his technique every day looks online a lot does besides coming to the lessons a lot so i think that's that's a big part you know how many kids do we teach they tell you they want to be good and one of the things that i will never understand is the serve right so the nine percent of the kids you ask that want to be good no one comes beside the lessons and takes a bucket and serves I, it's unbelievable to me you know like i just don't understand it And then you tell them to do it, they still don't do it. So, yeah, as I said, you know, it's, I think kids are uh, spoiled in our days a lot. And especially if you live in an area that's a little bit maybe wealthier, you know, and look, I don't judge anyone. You know, I spoil my kid too, but, but I just grew up differently. You know, I grew up in Berlin and Germany and I grew up in a high riser and with multicultural You know, we never had any issues. We had uh, people, Turkish people, Polish people, Croatian, English, Indian. We all lived together. There was nothing ever, no fights. And we all worked hard for what we what we wanted to do, you know. And I think just times times changed a little bit. You know, maybe 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 we baby the, the, the players a little bit too much. And, may, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard, hard balance to find. But... I try to be straightforward to get back to your question. That's that's the most important. If you're transparent, and it, at the beginning to the last thing, you know, and you from the beginning, you tell them, hey, this is what we're going to do. I believe this. What do you guys think? And you're open with them. Then you're not going to run so much into into trouble with parents. Yeah, that's really appreciated, Devor. I mean, you have to be transparent, and you can't just you know, give them false hope and things like that. And it's yeah. it's same with, with our individual selves. Like we, we have to look honestly at ourselves and say, okay, you know, maybe I'm, I am lazy. I am this, I'm that. Like, and then just, you know, work on those things instead of just like ignoring them and say, oh yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Um, so that's, that's really good. Uh, there are a lot of great points that you made. Um, and, and, and then one more, one more thing, yeah. one more thing with the, with the, with the money, right? Jobs, like, you know, I understand, you know, on, on, It's, it is. We live in tough times, you know, and sometimes, you know, you have people who are not going to say because they don't want to get fired or they don't want to get, you know, you don't want to lose their job or lose clients, you know, and, and that has to be understood by people, too. I mean, I, you know, we live in hard times, but I think I'm fortunate to be in the position where, you know, I can say that. Right. So mm -hmm. so it might be easier for some people than for others. And I don't judge anyone. I just think it's, you know, good to be transparent. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. Um, it's a lot of variables for sure. Um, but, you know, you made a really good segue uh, when you talked about uh, how you can understand, you know, players are not practicing their their serves enough because that's, you know, that's the, the most important shot in the game because uh, that's what I wanted to touch upon firstly with uh, technique and just kind of a general question, DeVore, but, you know, when you're working with your students and I, I've seen, you know, some really good uh, videos about that that you posted, but what are um, maybe a couple of the biggest flaws that you routinely end up seeing with your students uh, with respect to the serve? Uh, like with, with kids especially, I mean, the, the toss, right? So mm-hmm. I, was, I always have the analogy like with, with soccer. If you have a free kick, right, and you shoot the same free kick from the same spot four times, you want to hit the left corner every time. So the first time you go too high, you know the next time you have to shift your body weight a little bit more forward, right, or not give so much effect maybe. Then, you know, so you always kind of work towards where you want it. So the problem is in tennis, if your toss is always different, goes to the left, to the right, you can never tweak what you need to tweak for the serve mm-hmm. to go in. You know, that one thing, one big thing is the toss, obviously. And, and um, you know, with, with very little kids, I understand that the strength, you know, you try to toss the ball, like I always say, toss the ball out of the shoulder, out of the shoulder here, right? That's the mm-hmm. road. This is the engine I always tell the players to mm-hmm. keep the arms straight and just place the arm up. But, Little kids don't have so much strength as well, right? So they try to use the, they compensate right. with the, with other parts of the body. So with the with the little little one, I don't worry so much. But when they're like nine, ten, you know, they get a little bit stronger. You know that 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 toss has to be. Uh, I, I focus a lot on 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 the right toss technique and what I tell. What helps a little bit since you since you were talking about what what we can do there with the kids, I, I tell them always to start a little bit higher. So they can have a longer way of acceleration, basically, when they drop the, the arm a little bit lower down, and then they go back up. So that helps a little bit, you know, like the kids to not use and uh, overcompensate with other parts. And then obviously, one of the things I'm going to speak Friday um, at, at the online conference, and uh, I have like, um, my topic is um, flaws in, in the junior game and, and, and talking about different shots. So one thing is, the, is you know, obviously the weight of, waitress position so the kids just yeah. drop too early and 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 have the racket in this position and there's that's where a lot of the online things you know the famous party had from ryan where he, you know holds the racket up and then they kick the head down and then i had a couple of things where you just drop the racket and an index finger and then the thumb you know that's a cool mm-hmm. thing and what i like what rick macy is doing when when the player is in the trophy position and that toss the ball up he, he holds his record against the, the record of the player that he has to hold it up and then mm-hmm. when a player tosses the ball up it's at the peak and they bend their knees then he pulls the record away right so they have it at the right spot so there are a lot of things you know you can work on but i think definitely um big big part obviously is the toss and I'm a little bit different maybe than other coaches. I like to, t- I like to teach the slicer first. Mm, so, you know, I do it the reverse way because, you know, what, what is a, a lot of times the kids toss the ball too far to the left, right? And what happens then? They, yeah. they collapse and make themselves small. So, but you need this thoracic extension, right? So that's yeah. one of the most important things in the, in the serve. Mark Kovic speaks a lot about that. Yeah. So, and they need to go up, right? So what I like is like toss the ball to one o'clock and for the kids and I just tr- tell them to get the right arm up and 
get the chest out and go up and just cut the ball then I just let them play with that you know and then if they have a good slice serve then usually I gradually you know teach them the kick or like the topspin kick serve and, and I go from there but I like to have first the slice serve down and then and the flat serve and then I gradually get them when they're maybe like a little bit I don't know it depends how like the play every player is different but I, I go that route with, with the kids. I always teach the slicer first. I think that's brilliant, DeVore. And I wish that you were coaching me when I was younger because I remember in the <laughs> juniors, like I was just a chronic, you know, tossing it to the left like all the time. And like I was getting even like shoulder pain, you know, I was hitting the ball like, you know, just very uncomfortable positions uh, with my Lower shoulder back. capsule. Yeah, it was, it was Lower rough. Back too, so. you know? Yeah. And there was P- Coach Peter Smith since when we talked before, right? When you said like, yeah. I was like, hey, Marvin. If you want me in there in the interview, I'm fine. But I don't know if you're sure. I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coach Peter Smith said what you do is not bad. And uh, so Coach Peter Smith, that was funny. So I had one drill I really liked. It's like when you when you have when kids toss the ball too far to the left, mm-hmm. those rebounds walls are awesome. Whoever can afford a rebound wall, mm-hmm. they're like maybe hundred bucks. You put it to the left side of the player, just right. So right, right to the left. And then you stand on the right side of it. So when you toss it to left, to the far to the left, you can't serve. So that you have a barrier there, you know. So I think that has really helped a lot of my kids. You know, they toss the ball too far to the left. They can't do anything because you have a kind of a wall right next to you. So you can do many things with, with those rebounds ball, rebound walls. It's a, it's a great tool. Wow. Thanks for mentioning that. I actually just <laughs> typed that down in my notes to hopefully link uh, find one. So. So that wall, it's just like a freestanding wall that you just put to the left of you or wherever yeah, you, you are? You, it's like, yeah, it's like you use it. I think they use it in baseball and you can tilt it mm-hmm. and you, you can stand it up right straight or you can tilt it to uh, like 45 degree, whatever you want. You can even volley with it. It's pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, I can send you later. Definitely. If you want to, I uh, send you a link. They're really good. Yeah, you can use it, however, or on the kick serve. Put it right in front of the player. So they have basically the wall in front of them, so they have to mm. kick serve it over it, right? Or yeah, for many things you can use it for. You can use it for reflex volleys. You know, you can mm. uh, you have the wall in front of you, the coach is behind you, he feeds against it, and then you have to reflex volleys. I, I try to create a million of exercises with it. I think it's uh, yeah, I, I like that. Awesome, very cool. And yeah, you you know you, a lot of great tips on the uh, the the waiter's pose uh, that that yeah, I think you posted a video like was it yesterday or, or very recently where yesterday you, yeah it had, yeah yeah it had and like twenty five thousand already I, that was a yeah that I and as I said you know it's not all Brian and uh, Brian Dobble had a great idea you know where he has the ball on the racket right and then when you go back it just rolls down you know I mean there are great minds out there you just have to be open minded yeah yeah hundred percent. So I guess it generally like, well, okay, let's go with the kick serve. Um, I was curious. I know a lot of people, they kind of struggle with it and they, you know, they don't get enough spin that they want to get on it. So do you have any tips on, on being able to produce more spin or conversely, like any mistakes that people are making that prevent them from making enough spin on, on their uh, kick serve? I mean, there's a lot to do. I, I, I'm a firm believer. The leg drive is obviously so important. So, you know, yeah. I try to, when I work with my kids, you know, when they're in a trophy, kind of trophy position, they have this little hesitation, which is not a stop, right, when they're up. And then when the legs shoot up, then the racket falls into the leg position in the back, right? And when the legs shoot up, all the action happens. And 
um, that that is initiating everything. I explain it always to my players. It's like a rocket that goes up. You know, if, when it goes up, then make sure you have good arm acceleration. And I, I work a lot. My a lot of my players have strong, good legs, explosive legs. So that's one part. It makes it easier then. And then, then I just think it's a lot of uh, repetition, doing the right things. You have so many exercises you can you can work on, you know, and then especially when you work with little kids, what I like to do is with the, for the triceps, for example, you know, as a coach, hold the band back there and they go up, right? They go up, mm. make them, you know, they can go shoot up as well and go slowly down, shoot up and go slowly mm. down. You have, you have certain exercises you can do with the players, but what I like to do on court is, you know, roll the ball with the racket, mm. put it in the palm of the hand up and then roll it, go behind the fence, kick, you know, try to serve. You know, but one thing, you know, an extreme kick serve where, where they're really arching a lot and where they really, where the kids, like, you know, pronate so much. I don't, I don't like that so much for the younger kids because in my eyes, if you really have like a good topspin, regular topspin serve, right, mm -hmm. or you kick it extremely and pronate more and, you know, it just feels like it's much, much more force on the, on the, on the, whole body so I actually you know when you look at Novak sir you know I like to just teach the kids until 15 16 just to you know brush around and not focus so much on the on the extreme pronation and on the extreme extreme brushing on the ball because I believe you know I mean the, the bone gets out of the socket every time I think you yeah. serve like an inch or something every time when you serve mm -hmm. it's wearing and tearing right so uh yeah so that's that's, that's my approach, you know. It's all a lot about rep repetition, and I just don't like the extreme form of, of kick serving uh, in in young junior years. Uh, for my taste, it's a lot, a lot of things that can go wrong with the with the shoulder. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, Devor. Um, better, you know, wait till you're a little more developed if, to do those extreme yeah. types of things. So one thing that you mentioned earlier, Devor, is that you know the consistency, like same thing when you're taking the free kick. Uh, when you're tossing mm -hmm. the ball, it can be all over the place. But if we're it, it, when we're hitting like slice serves, kick serves, and flat serves, uh, which obviously you still usually want to put spin on, do you still want players to like vary their tosses and then just within those different serves be consistent, or would you rather them have the same exact toss every single time, like Serena, no matter what serve you're hitting? So my so my point of view of that is if you want if you want to be like a professional player and mm -hmm. and you are you know you're training to be the best of the best you try to be as close as you can to have kind of the same toss mm -hmm. but to be honest i mean the difference you know even if someone can if you're really good and someone can read what you what you're serving there are a few players that can really like hide what they serve yeah. And you know, if if query is serving kick or slice, I kind of I can still you can still feel it and see it. Like for me, I don't know. It's a little bit maybe maybe I'm too. It's it's kind of old school in my eyes. I don't know because like if I I believe firmly like if if an Isner serves and he hits a slice serve, they can see if it's a slice serve. Doesn't matter, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like if you're a good server. Uh, then, you know, if you toss it maybe to 11 o'clock on the kick serve, you know, and you toss it to 12 o'clock on the flat serve, I mean, you know, you, you really have to have a, 
extreme good opponent to read that. I believe, you know, I still believe 90% of the people couldn't even read what you're doing. So, right. you know, for me, that's maybe a little bit overrated. Maybe. Uh, but if you want to be the top of the top, obviously, you want to get to as close as you can to have a consistent torus, like for, for the kick flat and, and for the slice, at least within a radius of a certain degree there. I believe, yeah, you should. But that's only a few people that get there, I believe. You know, like if you have a 3-0 player, or three five. If you go to club tennis again, you know right. it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like they can, they should actually. The the club players should actually toss more to the right if they want to slice it. They should toss it actually a little bit more to the middle if they want to have it flat and if they want to put some spin on it. They should toss it toss it to the left because they have too many limit limitations most of the times and the physical limitations to to do what they should do anyway. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that, Devor. Appreciate that. And um, uh, just uh, maybe a tip on the slice serve. Like, what part of the ball should they be hitting to really get that that good slice? Because sometimes I think there's a misconception about like where exactly you want to hit it. So I, what I teach my players, what I like to do is, you know, you know that when you have kids that start to play and they don't have the right grip, for example, right? And you, let's say you you put them in the continental grip and they start to serve that every ball goes too far to the left, right? Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, they, they bother the players on the next court and you have to switch topics because too many balls go over there. What I like to do is I like to put the players out of, even out of the doubles alleys, like right oh, on yeah. the right, right side of the court. And I just tell them, even if it's not 100% maybe correct, I just tell them toss the ball to one o'clock and hit the right top of the ball and go to the left bottom. And that's all I need to say to most of the players. I, I don't like it on the serve, especially when you have kids out there and you talk about pronation. It just confuses mm -hmm. kids. You pronate anyway. If you throw a ball, you pronate, right? You don't have to think about, oh, I'm throwing and then I pronate. You know, too many right, coaches right. put, for my taste, too much emphasis on that. I believe we have great serves. They can serve 130-mile wide serves with slice that no one touches. And I never said, hey, when you serve, you pronate. <laughs> I just, I just too, I think the emphasis sometimes is too, too, too much on this pronation thing. I just tell them, go out there, you know, toss the ball to 1 o'clock. It has to be kind of diagonal in front of you. You want to cut contact in front of you and hit the right top, go to the left bottom. And then I draw them the ball on the clay court in front of them. So you draw just if you have on clay court, you just draw a ball on the ground, and then you you mark the the twelve and the six, and then you just tell you mark where you want them to to hit the ball, and they can always look at it before they start to serve. So it's a it's a good visual, I think, and that works usually. Yeah, yeah, that's great stuff there, and I appreciate that. And I guess we'll go to the forehand, and um, I'm curious about your grip recommendation. Sorry, grip recommendations. Just you know, to start from the beginning uh, on. Yeah. What types of grips you like your players to have? So I like to teach little kids when they come to me when they're four, five, six, seven. Uh -huh. Basically, all the beginners are continental. I'm a firm believer. Mm. A couple of the first times they come over, especially kids, adults, they get it a little bit more. You can, you know, you have aids with the grip aid, you know, where you put that in there from, you know, I don't know if you can say, Encore, of course, does those. And I love those yeah. because they help me so much. They help me unbelievably much. And, you, you you can do many things, but for kids, for sure, at the beginning, I let them develop. I mean, we slice, we serve, we volley, we overhead, we drop shot with the continental grip, and they're so little. You can gradually move them over when they get a little bit older, and once they get the feel for the continental, it's like magic. They have 
amazing shots. And especially for kids, even one-handed shots, continental grip, that two-handed backhand is going to be so much better because his non, non-dominant hand on the two-hander is so crucial. A lot of kids yeah. grip around and they have actually a semi-Western like backhand grip on the bottom yeah. and they don't have the right grip. So that Eastern, that the continental grip is crucial, right? It helps the backhand, obviously. And later on, you just move it gradually. I, and I like to teach on the forehand, since we were the forehand, I like to teach a strong Eastern grip and the maybe super, super weak semi-Western. Uh, that's just a personal taste for me. But mm-hmm. if I see if a player has a lot of rotational forces and they have great legs and, mm. you know, they're kind of shorter maybe and they like to hit balls a little bit higher, they can go to a semi-Western or even like if in some cases I even allow them to have a Western but I'm a firm believer, the majority of kids you get out there, you know, I teach them with a the very strong Eastern, super weak semi-Western because there's just more things you can do You can do with the shot. Mm, nice. Can you expand a little bit upon that by, you know, you just mentioned that there's more things you can do with, with that strong Eastern or weak semi-Western? Yeah. Yeah, on the, especially as we all know, on the low boards, right, and the game is more evolving again to coming to the net. Uh, how many kids do I see in tournaments that have like a super strong semi-western or western grip and they get a low slice ball on the foreign side and they frame it. I see, I mean, you see that so often, right? Or like, you know, and then they, or they come in and they don't have any, any uh, linear, linear force forward because all they can do is like brush the ball basically, right? So they come into the net and can't put anything behind the ball. And then when you look at players who have like a, strong eastern or weak weak semi-western they can put some power behind the ball you can place it maybe you know get some more um power on there so it's harder to to hit something back when they come to the net and you can maneuver the wrist just easier when when the ball is with that grip on when the ball is like lower obviously you can roll the ball way better with with the strong eastern when the ball is low and uh that's one of the main reasons why you know and then a lot of kids like you know understand that when the kids are like 10, 11, they're like still smaller and they get a lot of balls. When they don't move well, they get it above shoulder level and it's easier to hit semi-western and western there. But it's up to the coach as well to teach the kids as early as you can, either to move earlier back and let the ball drop or to learn to hit on the rise, right? And that's another thing I believe firmly. If you teach the kids to hit on the rise in early years, in early ages of the development, they will understand that so quick. It's, it's a, you know, a lot of coaches think it's a lot of work to, you know, you just have to put it, I don't know how many hours in there, but when they get the concept, it's like magic. And I have to tell you one funny thing. So there was one girl like six years ago, we played in uh, Mississippi and it was really cold and was maybe 39 and it was like getting like 7 p.m. the last match and it was close to a big pond and like a lake or something. And it was so cold. And then they started to moonball for four hours. They played till 10.45. And I thought um, my hands were like pink and purple and blue. And every time the ball was short, they hit it back, moonballed, and ran back to the baseline. Yeah? And I remember that I told the mom, look, I said, look, I can never, ever watch that again. I said, I'm honest, right? So I said, look, I teach her how to hit on the rise, and I teach her how to approach to the net. Because I just had to like, a month or two you know and i said this is the next thing i don't care if it's a year half a year two years <laughs> until she gets that because i ain't gonna watch that again <laughs> yeah. so that's why that was my experience with uh 
with the Western group and like moonballing and not coming in properly to the net. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I mean, a lot of truths, you know, from my experience, because I have kind of a semi-Western, like, a, you know, a little bit towards the Western, actually. And I actually at one point had to move it back a little bit because I was having a lot of trouble, actually, with low balls, hitting a ton of spin on it, just having to brush up a lot. And then, yeah, it's uh, I, I can definitely agree with with that approach there on the forehand. What is the main generator? I mean, I have my opinions, obviously, but I want to hear from you. What's the main generator, in your opinion, of actual of power on the forehand? Uh, same again. It's it's uh, uh, having a lively arm, a loose arm, and and the and the leg drive. So yeah. if you explode from the legs in the in the right moment, so the loading it plays obviously a big part. The players. That's, this is one issue I see a lot in junior tennis is they cannot coordinate the lower and the upper body. Yeah. So a lot of kids just hit out of the upper body and they forget. I always explain it with the basketball that hits, throws a free throw, right? They're, no one stands with straight knees there and just throws the ball, you know? And then they understand. They're like, yeah, right. It's like basketball, you know? They're like, yeah, they bend the knees and then they go up. Or same with the dunk. If you want to dunk, you can't dunk with straight legs. So you have to time right, you know, you lower your body and go up. So I try to explain to them that the loading is so important. And I, I found this is one of the biggest challenges I have as a coach on the forehand side is if the kids really do not get to load the legs properly, if they just don't understand the concept, mm. it is not easy to teach them that. I, yeah. I found, you know, you can drop the ball and say bounce, hit. You can put them on a, on, on, on a, on a table that has their height kind of, you know, and they kind of sit there mm. and you toss them a ball and when they go up, you know, when they stand up, they hit it. Mm. There are certain ways to teach them that, right? But I found uh, that really challenging. So that's one one of the things uh, I believe is, is very challenging uh, as a coach. But the leg drive, you explode from the legs. Make sure, you know, the arms are on the right side, ideally. On the outside, you explode from the legs. The racket falls automatically in the leg position. And then have a lively arm. Let let I always tell the players, let the racket head work, right? So I always tell them, think that there are two, three pounds weight on the top of the racket, on the tip. And when you swing forward, that that is pulling your arm forward and out, you know. And then once they start to understand the concept of being loose and let the racket actually work for them instead of muscling the ball, uh, you have great achievements, you know. And, uh, yeah, and then things can happen, as you know, like when, you, when they hit their forehand, you know, they can still follow through, but then hit out of the forearm, right? So they follow a little bit and then they slap the ball. There are so many things that can happen there, and uh, it's it's not easy uh, to teach it. You always have to be on 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 top of them to make sure that they uh, that they do a good job with that. Yeah, hundred percent. And w one of the videos that I really liked um, among many is uh, you had this like, uh, and you just talked about it, kind of like muscling the ball versus coiling properly. So you had this like this warm up that players yeah. could do. So can you talk a little bit about that that warm up that yeah. people could could do before their matches? Yeah, I, I love doing that. I just did a, the player just stays, stands up straight in the athletic position. And then I like to, to hold the right hand and holds the butt cap on the right side, pushes against the left hand is on the top of the racket. They hold the arms out and then they just rotate the, rotate the shoulders and the upper body, obviously, when you rotate the shoulders against the lower body. And then, mm -hmm. then you can do it as well with, with already changing the grips if they're more advanced, you know, they, they change the grip to foreign grip and load, and then they go to the back and grip, and then just just uh, the the flexibility uh, flexibility in the spine 
and the pre-stretch. You know, it's so important that we we always say as coaches, you can see the other side, the, the back of the player. And if they do a good job, then uh, you you feel a little stretch and, you know, use use those muscles to do a good job there because it's uh, not about muscling the ball. And that's a big challenge with adults when we always talk about kids. Adults, you know, men especially, they're like big men. They're like squeezing the racket too tight and they it takes a long time to teach a recreational player that is big and strong to 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 start to be nicer to to his equipment and not over squeeze the racket and just go and let the racket work for them. I always say let the racket work for you. So yeah, good stuff, uh, Devor. So um yeah, this is like uh, I debate this a lot, and and I'm curious about your take on it. So you know they talk about ATP versus WTA forehand. I mean, what's your overall? Yeah you know, feelings about uh, the, the take back on the foreign and what, what, what people should really be doing? So I believe, obviously, um, most men, we're just built a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, for maybe for the men, it's easier to pull from the outside more. There's some, you know, I always compare, uh, like, when, you're, when they have the ladies and they have a more, like, a bigger take back, in my eyes, it's not a problem until it gets so bad that you can see the record from the other side. So mm-hmm. if I have a female player and they go around and I do not see that record, they still have a big backswing, I, I, I don't need to touch it unless it affects her on hard court when she plays tournaments. You know, obviously, you have less time, right? On clay court, it's more forgiving. So you, you, you can have maybe a bigger back take back. But if the take back is so, so big, that you're not that you're not able to contact the ball where it should be contacted on a fast surface, then I guess you know you should start to maybe change something. But I I truly believe, and you know when if you're on the outside of on the right hand side of your righty and you keep everything more compact, you just play more effortly and you you I feel like you have more control and you can you can actually accelerate the ball better. If you keep everything compact and on the side, and if the take back is too big, I would just re—I would just assess the player and see if it actually affects that player. Some players can play with it. Some players have big backswing, and like we said, it's the beauty of tennis. Ernest Gulbis looks like <laughs> like a, the swan on the forehand there, and, and uh, but yeah. I mean he was you know top twenty, right? So so um, that's the beauty of tennis. The most important is that the main action of the stroke is correct, right? Mm-hmm. So and that's if you take the preparation away and if you take the follow-through away, if that part is correct and the player can handle it, then let it, let them be. That's my approach. Yeah, I love it. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I had our friend, uh, mutual friend, Joel Myers, uh, on the previous episode yeah. of the podcast, and, you know, he was saying similar things, like um, as long as you have, uh, you know, solid contact uh, point, you know, you're contacting the ball at the right place, you know, right timing, then, you know, it's okay if you have like a longer swing and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, good stuff there, DeVore. Appreciate it. So now, uh, and, you know, some of these, again, may seem like basic questions for the stroke, but for the backhand, I'm curious for the, the one-hander and then the two-hander, what, what types of grips are do you usually like your students to use? Like for for the two hander on the bottom continental on, on the top eastern, mm-hmm. and for the one hander 
what is it, Eastern, Eastern backing group. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of the groups that, that I, that I teach. And <laughs> I found it more tricky on the, on the two hander, as I said earlier, you know, like the biggest, the most dangerous things is with the kits that the, that the right hand goes too much over and goes into the semi Western backhand grip, you know, and then you're in trouble because then you, you isolate the, the wrist is just locked and you can't do anything on low boards. It's kind of the same thing, like, like on the forehand side, then, you know, so you just limit the player a little bit when they have, it, it looks more like a baseball swing, actually, when they, when they do that, it's weird, but, uh, no, and then, and then the one hander with the with the eastern grip, it's uh, yeah, the back end eastern grip. It's just yeah, natural. I'm a one hander; just comes natural to me when you hold it like that. And what I really, really, uh, what's a big help is those grip pins. As I said, they they're like magic. There are other products that are great too. You know, like Tennis Builder. They their stuff is great too. I just don't want to. You know, all, everybody who invented something that helps with the grip, it's, they, they, they did a phenomenal job, you know. So, so I just use those a lot because they saved me so many hours of talking and correcting because you can't cheat. There's a pin there and you can't turn it around, you know. And then, you know, with little kids working with the bevels, it's, it's, it's again, you know, you have a seven-year-old, he's like, what bevel, what, what, <laughs> you know. And then you're like, no, just forget about it, just uh and then with little kids, I like to do for the Continental, for a two-hander, I like them to do I have a racket here. Yeah, I'll show you. Hold on, give me one second. Sure. With the, with the little kids, what I like to do is that they put the racket under the armpit like this. Uh-huh. And when they have it under the armpit, if you try it out later, and they come around like this, and I tell them it's like a sword they take out, then, then they have a, a really good really good pretty close to like the continental grip so the, all the kids i let them do that every time before they serve mm-hmm. wreck it under the armpit check the grip stay super loose because they if you have the right grip they serve too far to the left on the serve right if they have the right grip on on a two-hander as well they're going to hit the balls over the fence at the beginning because they're not used to it right so it's all the all, all the it's all question about uh um repetition and, and doing it correct awesome yeah no for sure and uh sorry to ask you again the word the the, the grip tool what was it called grip grip holder oh, it? it's called uh i think it's called grip eight grip and it's eight. a it has a has a velcro it's like mm-hmm. you know you can you it has velcro and then it has a little soft pin on uh, on the side and then you put it between your hands and you adjust the grip how you want it, and then you just grip it around so it stays sticks out where you put it. So you, as a coach, put it on, and it's unbelievable. <laughs> I got when I posted, when I posted, everybody wanted to get, and, and they all love it. Uh, that's one of the things I think uh, very very helpful, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, not because I were like you know on court off court as always we col- collaborate always, but. I truly believe that it helped me. I'm, I'm unbelievable. So I would always put my hands on fire for the grip in 100%. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's always appreciated when, you know, you educated people about like really good products and tools. Um, so that's very good. I'm going to check. Yeah, that's definitely that. a good one. Yeah, yeah. Sweet, sweet. And then uh, it seems like, and actually, uh, you know, I, I've had this issue too. Like, it seems like we just don't get that same you know, lag, wrist lag and, and everything on, especially like the two hander, like we just don't get that. The racket drop isn't as good as on the forehand. So I was wondering if, um, you know, you have some, uh, 
magical cures or something, you know, some fixes for us as to, to help those those particular issues on the back end to get on the back end side to get the racket more into the leg position and pull from there i i i work a lot with with like tactile like like holding the racket and adjusting it for the player and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that's the only thing i can just say for that because i always tell them on, on the back end side when they when they turn and have the racket up to loose like actually loosening the wrist up like you know, if 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 the players are tight, yeah, like especially men, you cannot drop the racket head in the right position. So that's one of the biggest issues. When I feel so, I I try to hold their racket. I tell them to keep the hands on the racket. I I grip the throat, and I stand next to them. And I with my left arm, I just adjust everything. I tell them, look, leave everything to me. Just hold the racket so tight that you don't drop it. Mm. So so hold it so loose that you don't drop it. And then I just tell them to close their eyes and I kind of guide their rackets down into the leg position. So they have their eyes closed here and then I take the racket from there and, and make them go down there and like feel it there. And then they open the eyes and I just explain to them, you know, like what the pros are. If you're a little bit more flexible and you don't squeeze the racket too much, you know, you can just put more rounds per minute on the ball and uh, yeah, and actually get under the ball as well better. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, really good stuff there. Yeah, similarly, Devor, uh, I was recording myself playing, which is you know the most very helpful tool. And uh, you know, yeah. I was wondering like why why is my back end not as good as my forehand? And then you know, a couple of things that I noticed was uh, one that just my my loading uh, uh, via my my hips and shoulders uh, that that unit turned it wasn't as good yeah. uh, as on my forehand. And then also, I I realized that I was just like way too tight on my back end side rather than my forehand was very loose and flowing. Mm-hmm. So um, really, you know, getting your body much looser uh, helps so much to get the racket drop, get more spin, acceleration, yeah. etc. Yeah. So yeah. And it's it, and it will feel uncomfortable at the beginning because you never did it, no matter who you teach it to, right? So yeah, they have to trust you enough to understand the process, right? That it takes a little bit to to because you never did it right, probably, right? So it takes a little bit to 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 get that feeling. Awesome stuff, divorce. So uh, one other thing on the backhand, another thing that I noticed too that I wasn't doing as well, uh, and, and I see a lot of players too, is the extension. So can you talk a little bit about? The extension on the back end and you know how important that is and how it should be executed yeah well definitely like the extension big part of the of the back end um so basically when when i teach my players i let them take the right hand off the racket when they hold the two-handed grip and then i let them swing forehands and mm. that's the first step to understand actually that you hit like a left-handed forehand right 
And I always tell them like to feel, even if it's not correct, maybe 100%, but to feel like that the left arm is 90% in charge of the shot and 10% is the right arm for the support. Mm. And But what I found there is, actually, and that was, that was funny, some players, they play better when they use their right hand a little bit more on the racket. You know, you always tell them to use the left hand and feel like more it's like a left-handed forehand. But some players actually, they you, they feel that that right hand a little bit more. So you have to watch too what kind of player you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, happened a couple of times. But the extension, mm-hmm. um, super important for controlling the shot. You know, after you after you contact the ball, when you look at Novak on a two-hander, how long, how long he goes through the ball. Yeah. And a lot of players... Um, you know, do not follow through so long. And, you know, one of the reasons is, and it all starts at the beginning of the shot, when you stand in your ready position or athletic position and you already have your elbows tucked to your body, you know, a lot of players have the the racket already so close to the body Mm. that will cause a lot of circular rotation throughout the shot because you're going to take the racket back too far around and then you're going to have more like a circular motion there. Like a, like a half circle, but when you have your arms out and in front of you and just rotate your shoulders, you're most likely going to have a better linear pathway of the shot after you contact and, and linear and up. And I always, what I like to do is, you know, sometimes they call me like crazy for like what I do on court. Sometimes, you know, I cut the strings out of, of old racket and have a pool noodle with me and I let them stand sideways and I let them so I'm holding that pool noodle and they don't have strings in there. So you hit, they hit it and extend fully through. And then I pull the noodle out at the right timing. It takes a little practice and then they follow over their shoulders, right? So, you know, you can do certain things or like what I like, as I said, I like to work with my hands. So I, on, on the forehand side or backhand side, you, you hold your hands on the strings of the player at contact uh-huh. and you let them push against your hand and you take slowly take the, the power, for, like you, you give in a little bit and you pull with your hands, you can you can pull their racket out longer as well, and then you let it go. And then, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, things you can do with the players as well for the extension. But the key is just, so you need both. You need to follow through, and you need to, you know, the, everything you, you do that creates ro- rotational uh, forces. Fantastic. Appreciate that, Devor. And, um, yeah, I just want to talk also about the uh, volleys. You know, we, we were talking earlier, uh, maybe it was before we started recording, but about you, uh, your great presentation on Tennis Gone 4 about low volleys. Um, but yeah. uh, I, I saw another really cool video where you had um, chairs on the court and you're you're promoting uh, or, you know, showing us how we how to prevent like that, that racket had dropped that so many players, mm-hmm. they do, you know, as soon as they make contact with the volley, uh, with the ball, you know, their racket just drops to the ground. Pretty much their yes. wrist is broken. I wonder if you could uh, kind of talk about, you know, why it's important that we uh, generally have the racket head, or, you know, we keep it up. And then also, is that, are we, is that always the case that we want to have that racket head um, above? Are there any exceptions as well? Yeah. So for, for, in my humble opinion, when you volley, um, the racket head is, should always be above your wrist and that that's the reason you want you want to lock your wrist when when you kind of when you you want to have a not lock but you want to have a firm firm wrist and then you you want to make sure that you when you volley that that there's nothing loose when you volley so when you when your racket head is up you can lock your wrist pretty good and what i what i like to teach in forehand and backhand is when 
when when they're in the ready position i like the terms lay your wrist back actually and when mm. while i keeping the hands i'll lay your wrist back and then you know like hit hit on a ball on both sides so i always use the term lay your wrist back but definitely i want to i want to see the racket head always above the wrist and uh yeah that's just how you get the, the most uh control and the most out of out of out of the volleys yeah i found that as well um you know just just having that that racket head above uh the wrist and, and so um I, I do see a lot of players, you know, it seems like they struggle more on the backhand side. Like what are some issues or causes as to why that may, the ca- may be the case? Maybe you see that as well. Yeah. So one of the things, um, you know, like when you look at female and male um, recreational players and you look at doubles when they are, when, the, when, the, when let's say, you know, a lot of, when you look at ladies doubles, I teach a lot of ladies when they are on the on the deuce side and they get a volley in the middle, right? So a lot of problems occur if the wrist is weak. You know, what I want to say with that is if, if your wrist is in this position and yeah. a lot of players like here and they try to hit a volley, you can do the test. You probably know that obviously when you put the racket in this position, you push against you stronger than if you push here. And the same thing with the ladies when... You know, when they get a volley and they don't have the right the right grip, and with the continental you get this right. So and then you lock your wrist, and and you should play out of the firm position there, the the volley. And a lot of players just even with the two hander, they're holding the racket like this uh, during the volley, and you can't get anything on there. And that's a that's a delicate topic, you know, like uh, looking at the recreational player and pro players that backhand volley. Do you teach it two-handed or one-handed, mm. right? So that's a big question everywhere online I see too. And for me, it's strongly, like believe that if the lady can handle it, then I'll teach her one-hander. I don't care what people say. Like they're like if a thirty-five-year-old lady comes to me and she's fit, I, I don't I don't want to teach her two-hander. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I, can, I I think I'm so I'm capable of teaching it pretty good that she will be able to hit a really good one-handed volley and that's going to help her with the transition shots as well when she mm. comes in so you know too many times i i believe we um you know it's it's uh too quick that people teach a two-hander on when a lady comes in but they actually have really good volleys if they if they're and you have to see some ladies just want to do clinics and they don't want more like i talk about ladies right. because you need a lot of forearm strength. I'm just talking specifically on the, on the sure. back and volley. Um, and, but if you if you see it like that, the lady wants it, and I I teach them the one handed volley. And all, I I think out of like 50 ladies or 70 ladies or whatever, I think 95%. I think I did a good job with that, and they they're happy. And I never heard a complaint about it. So I guess it worked, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised about that. And. Uh... You know, in addition to the transition game being helped, I mean, uh, w- you know, I imagine like another advantage of the one-hander is you have the better reach. Uh, I mean, is there yeah. any other uh, other reasons too? I mean, those two are good enough, I think. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Yes, the reach definitely, you know, every inch we can cover more with reach. It's it's massive, you know, and uh, yeah. especially like in, in doubles. Uh, but let me think, what else? The reach, if you have a one-hander, I think you, yeah. I guess that's that's like one of the main 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 reasons. It's it's the reach and and I think too, the transition ball, the reach, 
And then when they get higher volleys as well, yeah. you know, when you're on the deuce side, I think if you have a really good one-hander, like you can you have better reach and you can maneuver the record a little bit better than if you have the left hand on the record. I guess that's another part of it too, you know. And uh, yeah, if you have two ladies playing and one is left-handed, one is right-handed, make sure the left-handed lady plays on the deuce side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all, oh. all the volleys in the middle are like forehand volleys. Yeah. I believe from you can build a house, you know, and try to put the roof on first. You need the foundation first. And then I, I, that's my teaching philosophy. Like I tell everybody when they come to me first, I might talk a lot at the beginning and I might bore you at the beginning, but on the long run, you will thank me for that. You know, and <laughs> as I said, so far, uh, that was okay philosophy for me. I think I didn't get too many complaints about that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great point, you know, it's 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 kind of like a double-edged sword. Um you, you know, obviously there's players who um they want to execute tech, uh strategies, but a lot of times we need the technique, <laughs> proper technique to be able to ex- execute those strategies. But then obviously if they you're, you know, there's you're able to execute the strategy without the technique and you don't want to advance the technique or you just want to cap your level, yeah. then I guess it's fine if you don't uh improve, but I mean, I found it very satisfying when I, you know, have this technical issue and then I, you know, watch a divorce video or I watch, you know, yeah. uh, whoever else is Rick Macy's, you know, yeah. video and it's then I, I improve it and it feels amazing. And then I can do more with my game. So, yeah, um, don't know. Totally. That's yeah. that's that's so important. And I think, you know, when once students feel that and realize it and do it the first time, they just you have a different relation to them too because they feel like, wow, okay, what he taught me, you know, it's good stuff and it's really helping instead of me just doing clinics and hitting uh, everybody's in a service box and they hit volleys for an hour, you know. So <laughs> so sometimes it's good to mix it up. I think always, as I said, I'm a believer, happy medium is always great between clinics and playing a lot of points and still working though on your shots because I see now teaching over 20 years, a lot of players play too much and forget about the craft and you know they get stuck at a certain level because they never worked on the craft uh, uh enough yeah no 100 percent i'm just uh you know curious before we uh, you know i guess transition to another section is um are there any other particular uh drills or any other yeah mainly drills that that you think are, are really good that just like you know fundamentally wise with technique or anything else that you want to let us know about any drills i like you know since i'm good friends with craig o'shaughnessy mm-hmm. and you know he talks so much about what is right obviously the forehand right and and how important the forehand is and when novak has the best back in the world he still taught him told him he has to hit more forehand so i, I like those drills surf plus one where you move a little bit you know you're on the ad side you kick serve out, you move a little bit to the left. So if it gets a forehand on the run, you get it easy. And uh, other than that, you hit the ball in the middle and you dominate with your forehand. Uh, two cross-court forehands, one down the line, the, the, the basics, you know, change direction, being able to uh, change direction good on both sides. Or three, three cross, one down the line, four cross, one down the line. You can do it however you want it, but those things are important and uh yeah, and, uh, and and singles especially, you know, um, when you even when you have beginner players, teach them simple patterns. Keep the ball cross court, 
if you get a good opportunity, open down the line, but then next ball most probably lands on your back inside and you run over there. Like li little things, you know, how to open the court. Yeah, I guess the basic the basic thing that everybody is kind of teaching. But I like dominant dominant forehand is for me in the, in the sessions important, even uh, for recreational players because that's a stronger shot and mm -hmm. you can make have put more damage into the game if you have a really good forehand. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm forgetting the exact statistic, but uh, you know, as you mentioned, pretty much Craig was just his all the data that he's analyzed is this. You yeah. know, you're winning many more points on the forehand, so you should just be hitting more of them. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Well, we could talk hours. I love that stuff. <laughs> C to C, C to D. Yeah. Man, I can talk about that day and night. I so yeah. I can't. To my wife, probably not. She's gonna probably say the more you have to leave the house if you want to talk to me about that. But uh, <laughs> no. But with, with Craig, it's fun. You know, it's always great conversations I have with him. Great guy, by the way. For sure. And I guess since you, you know, since you brought it up, I mean, what what's like a, a basic, you know, pattern like you know between like you know C day or whatever uh, that that you like, and then maybe whatever else you need to explain for the background for people to understand it. Uh, feel free. Yeah, no, just like you know, like patterns. As I said earlier, like when you see C is a little bit to the left on the, on if you're righty, it's a, a little bit to the to the left uh, of the center hash mark, mm -hmm. and um, you know there are studies with the Hawkeye where they took the the body temperature of the players and they looked at it. Uh, they compared like women and men, for example, too. Women stand more; they don't stand so much and see. They're actually more more a little bit more to the other side and the men are like mainly on C and then people start to think why is that what do they do there and you just have different angles when you hit inside out forehands you can open the court differently and then you can go inside in and the best players in the world they can disguise the inside the inside in so well it looks like you know you prepare yourself uh, you look like you hit an inside out ball and then you just snap the, the hip a little bit more around and uh, you throw your body a little bit more into the uh, inside in shot. So that's a very important pattern. I like to go two cross court, uh, two inside outs, one inside in, mm -hmm. in a drill form. Or like you rally with someone and you rally like two two times and the third one goes down a line inside in and they play the point out. And then you can add, if you feed a lot, you can go two inside out, one inside in, and then the next ball is a forehand on the run. And you can do it as well, obviously, in, in, in playing form as well. So I think that's, a very very important uh, pattern and then for the serve when you look at Federer you know I, I actually watched uh, over the last year I rewatched probably 50-60 matches of his from the past and yeah. you know if it's 30 all or deuce he likes to hit the slice serve out wide takes a little bit pace off so he gets his opponent a little bit more out of court off mm -hmm. the court actually and moves a little bit over to the backhand side so to anticipate hopefully a forehand on the next shot and go to the open court. So, so all those, you know, there are many patterns you can play and that's actually a great topic. You know, when you look at um, the statistics, Craig, statistic that the over the last two decades, the number one in the world won 55% of the points and lost 45. Mm -hmm. I use that to teach my kids to not get mad. Tennis is a game of mistakes, 70% uh, of the points and because of mistake, right? Yeah. So when you teach your kids, you know, you, you should make mistakes, but, What's interesting about that, let's say Novak plays against someone and they play 100 points, he won 55, the opponent won 45. So you cruise like 6-3, 6-3 kind of as a statistic. 
And uh, but what the best players do well, and that's where what separates the good from the great is at those uh, what do you how you call them in English clutch time, crunch time, crunch time moments. Crunch you know, time, yeah. the, the important important moments like 40, 30, 30, 40 uh, dues. What how do you play points? And that's that is so important as a coach. If you have a good junior player, for example, uh, teach them until they throw up those patterns. If it's 40-30, you have like a, a set point. Teach them patterns they feel comfortable with. And every person is different. So I'm 6'4 almost. My kick serve wide was pretty decent. So I knew it doesn't matter who I play. <laughs> it's 40-30. I kick serve it out. And then either I surprise and run to the net you know, you have that was that was always my to go. I did that always once in the match, an important point. And I guess I won maybe seventy percent out of those. And then, or you, what I love to do is the slice into the body, aim a little bit more to to the right, and it drifts into the body. You get a short ball back, so you prepare yourself for that most likely, and you you can start to dominate the point. You know, and so that's that's the important step that you that you are really good and have patterns and routines in important moments. And that will make you such a better tennis player if you practice those moments. 100%. Yeah. And, and again, you know, refer back to uh, my last episode with Joel. He said, uh, mm -hmm. with respect to serving, um, but I'm sure other things too, uh, you know, to have at least one serve that that you you're just you can hit that like lights yeah. out all the time. And so for you, that was the kick serve out wide, which yeah uh, is obviously a huge serve um uh, and very painful for players especially on clay i imagine uh with a two-hander well two-hander one-hander really but yeah and and also you know I, on that topic you know I, the, as i mentioned in the intro earlier um is that you know you played futures tour you played yeah. like t highest league I, I think in germany so yeah. uh you know been a great great player as well so um i mean it's pretty, pretty cool pretty cool. pretty decent but I have to say always when I when I see the young kids, you know, so you know, I played against guys that are six, seven hundred ATP in the German league tennis. You know, I played. Yeah. So so they're good players, obviously, and I tried to become a pro when I was twenty. But the biggest difference where I wasn't good is like, I mean, if you don't like running and working hard, and you shouldn't play, obviously, on that level. And I mean, I did it, obviously, but I wasn't... If I would have had that spirit that Rafa has and fight for every ball, I would have been better than I was. But, you know, like, the, the tennis is, as I said, it's it's one of the toughest sports, and you 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 have to be like a pit bull on the court. I always say that to, yeah. my, to my students. You know, you, you can't... Every point counts, and, you know, uh, when I was young, I made mistakes. I shanked balls and matches, and I, I wish, you know... We all are just human beings, right? So now if I, I, I never do it or I, I would never do it again, but you have the life experience and some, you know, it's an important message to the kids, you know, that you that you need to make sure that you fight for every single ball when you come on. That was the biggest difference. I, look, I played, huh, was it 2000 in Porridge? I was in Croatia and uh, there was a satellite series of four tournaments and that was the first clay court tournament in Europe outside. and. The pre-qualifying was 128 players. Mm. The qualifying was 128. So, <laughs> so you have like over 10 matches to qualify, right? So it's unbelievable. And and I played a guy from Greece, and uh, I've never look. I thought I'm in shape, but 
that guy didn't even sweat 95 Fahrenheit. <laughs> and right. I hit every ball good. And, you know, like I wasn't a bad player. I lost right, two right. and two. And that guy shakes my hand. He's like, yeah, good match. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I thought it was one of my best matches this year. And he just uh, humiliated me on the court. And But what I want to say with that is that the physical part is so important. That guy was so fit. And I thought I'm fit, but I wasn't, you know. So there's always someone better out there. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you think you're, you're great and there's some, someone there yeah. that's working harder than you or wants it more than you. And it's for, you know, yeah. same with all of us. Like I, you know, I wish I worked a lot harder too, uh, when I was younger and everything, but, uh, that's a good thing. You know, we, we, now we've learned that and we can impart it to, to the younger generation. Hopefully at least some of them will, you know, will take it to heart. So, um, yeah, yeah hopefully. I appreciate that transparency. Yeah. It's, it's tough out there, but we got to just keep working if we want to make great things happen for ourselves. And in speaking of life lessons, uh, Devorah, I was wondering, um, just a little bit on the coaching side, uh, yeah. what's maybe one like philosophy about tennis that maybe you initially had, like when you started coaching that as time went on, then you actually maybe change your outlook on that particular, um, you know, concept. So as older I got, so actually, believe it or not, when I was younger, I was firmer and sterner on the court. Mm. So most of the people are, when they start softer, I guess, but I was always, my dad was a, uh, Olympic played a world championship and handball, European handball, long story. Wow. It's like a, 10, 12,000 people watch it. It's really big in Europe. And uh, so he was stern with me. And, and when I started coaching, I, I didn't like to compromise. And I think I was, I was on it. I might have been to turn too soft as a coach. I have to still working on finding the happy medium. But one thing what I learned over the years of coaching is um, empathy. And that to, you know, I, at the beginning, I took it too serious, the first 10 years of teaching. But we teach 99% juniors, for example, kids that become high school players, that are, some of them college players, but most maybe one out of a thousand makes it pro, right? But So I, it, it took me a long time to understand that. But now my biggest achievements as a coach I see when I, uh, when I um, help the student to become uh, a human being that contributes in a good manner to society with good manners, with good values. And that, that is key to me. And I, I want to always know everything about my students. I know every single kid that I teach, I try to find out, you know, because that's another thing I learned. Some, some parents are like alcoholics or abusive or whatever. Right. So then you see kids coming to lessons and you, you scream at them because they don't do what you do, right. What you want. But in the end of the day, they have a hard time at home. Yeah. And if you don't ask, you will not know that, right? I'll just bring that up, up, that example, although a lot of people don't talk about it because it's important to me, you know? So I, I found out as, as more you show the kid that you care, you can change their lives. And that's why I like to, that's why I like to be a, a high-performance coach for, for junior players especially mm -hmm. because I feel like I can change their perspective a little bit maybe in a good way. Yeah and help them to guide them to where they want to be to play a decent part in the society and not be like like i don't know bad people or something i, I like my values are clear you know you respect other people you work hard 
Um, you can always talk about things to me, you know, as a coach, I will always have a year. I will, uh, I will always help when I can, you know, and I, I think that is the most satisfying part of my job that I know that I help those, those kids, uh, with whatever they have, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a great reminder, Devor, that, uh, <clears throat> you know, for the coaches out there that you're really in a position to make such a big impact on, yeah. on you know, the future generation and re even your, you know, older students too. But, um, yeah. yeah and, true. and, and, you know, the only way to, to really do that, uh, properly is to put in the time to actually get to know them and to, yeah. you know, uh, empathize when things are, are going on, you know, and, and, uh, same thing too, just generally as well. Like if somebody, you know, acts one way towards you, like you have to think like, oh, maybe they're under a lot of pressure. Maybe they, lost their job or, you know, yeah. family issues. So, um, you know, just generally that's very important, but, um, yeah, 100%. Really, yeah. So I really appreciate that, uh, point that you made there, you know, a couple, I guess I'd say closing questions, but I'm curious, um, you know, you're obviously a very, uh, learned man. And so, um, curious about, um, you know, maybe three books that you would gift to a friend to help them, uh, improve their tennis game. All right. Winning ugly? No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, <laughs> everyone says everybody. That. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's fine. Um, it's a good book. Okay, so I would have to look it up who the author is. It's about habits. It's a yellow book. I have it, <laughs> and it talks about um, habits. So mm -hmm. that um, I can what I wait. What was it called? Changing habits. I think it's a it, yellow book. Is it and a tennis? It's, it's great. Tennis it, book. It talks about. General? Sorry, Devor. Is it a, a general habits book or like a tennis specific? It doesn't no, matter. No, no, that's general wondering. in general because yeah, yeah. it can relate to tennis too. It talks about how when we want to change something that it takes a little bit, you know, like and that you can create, um, you know, in, in the brain like blueprints to to the change you want and visualization plays a big role. Mm. Very interesting book. But tennis wise, it could be general too. It's fine. Man, I I just. Look, I read all the what I liked. I'm I'm a very interesting Kovac lovers and all those guys in there. So they're great, you know. Like how how um I don't even know how they're all called. I read like um all the USTA books, all the Mark Kovacs books about the muscles and anatomy. You know, I like yeah. Mark Kovacs. Um, I, I read a lot about biomechanics. Um, the inner game of tennis, obviously, all those things. And then I like to read biographies from from players like nadal i read the agassi all those are great too but tennis education wise i watched personally over the last couple of years youtube a lot yeah like all the all the you, you can go on uspta southern and they have like 20 conferences in there and all the presentations i like the itf yeah. inf, itf information i don't like books so much what i I like to go on the ITF page because I think they have great info there. I go and read all their, their things. The ITF provides great. On YouTube, you can look at all the conferences. And I think oh, there are so many coaches that have interesting presentations. Uh, and then all the Instagram lives as well. When you look, I watched like Emilio Sanchez and, the, and um, Crack, Crack O'Shaughnessy yeah, talking about Nadal's too. final. You know? yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're in there. Exactly. So those things for me like at the moment bring me more value because I, I think I read every tennis book that's out there and there's and, and in German and in Spanish and there are really good books out there. Um, but in particular, I couldn't, there's just too many out there. And 
couldn't I couldn't name you a couple, but that habit book I have to send you the that changed me a little bit. I wanna I wanna send you uh the book cover so you can you, you can read that one. That's a good one. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Definitely send me that and then I'll I'll link I'll link uh, all the books that, that you mentioned in yeah. the show notes or as many as I can. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, we appreciate that. And um he has a f- kind of a fun question for uh for people and I, I know you'll probably give a really good answer, but uh if you were to be able to uh put up a huge billboard um in you know the most trafficked um areas where you live in in Louisiana so they would be seen by like thousands of people every day um what what would you say on that or what would you write on that billboard and it can be about really anything and I'll, man I I like that I like that question Thank I you. would say on that billboard we only live once don't waste any minute of your life on unnecessarily. Don't get mad when someone be hunks on you on a car. If you're running late somewhere, there are so many people that have it really bad on this planet. So enjoy that you're healthy if you're healthy. And if not, then, uh, then uh, you know, like just enjoy, enjoy that. You know, for me personally, you know, since my son was born, that's a long time ago now, but like my perspective just changed. Before I said always oh, what I was looking what I don't have. Mm. And when you start to look what you have, you live a richer life. And yes. you know, I had so many people who got sick in my family. Mm. And that's why I tell people always, you know, when you live your life, don't ask always for more. Because if you look at the sick person, they only have one wish, right? They want to get healthy. And if you have, if you're healthy, they have already the most important thing in life, right? So appreciate and embrace what you have, and don't look at the negative things. Try to find positive things, and and enjoy every moment you have on this planet. It can go fast. Right. <laughs> I know it sounds maybe a little bit, but negative. But it's, it's you know in a certain way, but it's, it's true. You know, life goes too fast. It just goes too fast. Yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, I mean, having that attitude of gratitude, as I think t- maybe Tony Robinson said. But yeah, I mean, whenever I do that, whenever I'm, I th- I'm thankful. Like you know, even if I'm not playing well, but I'm just saying, wow, you know, I'm still yeah. very grateful. I can play tennis. You know, that I'm not in yeah. like a country where I can't do that, or that I'm able to like yeah. financially or whatever. Um, you know, the day is much better. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're very lucky. And and you know, I try to. Yeah be grateful every day. So that, that's really good. Um, thank you for that, Devor. Just generally, I mean, what's next for, uh, for tennis house, um, for you, like what, what are, what are the future plans? So growing on Instagram yeah, and, uh, I developed an app a couple of years ago and I still have the code for the app obviously. And I just didn't have the financial resources anymore to maintain it so i have that so hope maybe in the future i'll meet someone who's interested in that but the the future the near future growing it on instagram i want to get to other ones and you know it's it's very powerful i tell people always you know we do it for i think for a good reason i want to help others to become better it's free right mm-hmm. so i i don't charge anything for it it's gonna stay free I just want to make sure it's very powerful. You, I always think about it. You open the door and then 54,000 people stand in front of you yeah. and they listen to what you say. Yeah. When I remind myself, sometimes you're like, oh, it's scary, right? But <laughs> it, it's a good thing. So I want to grow it there. 
Um, I like doing the, you know, just a little bit on the side. I love the, the clothing because I, when I copyrighted and trademarked the logo six years ago, that was a good move because we got a good feedback on the logo. So maybe something with clothes. But I'm going to do, I'm going to have two big announcements at the beginning of next year. Uh, nice. I'm going to go into two partnerships that are going to be really cool. So um, very fun. So it's going to be a good one. So 1st of January 2021. Uh, everybody will will know what it is. So it's something really good coming up. Mm, exciting. That's awesome, man. I'm really, yeah. really happy for yeah. you. That's great. It sounds really cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't <laughs> encourage people enough like that they, they need to go to uh, at least your Instagram page and, and check it out. I mean, just some such great uh, content on there that everybody will benefit from 100%. So uh, can you let us know, you know, uh, Obviously, your your handle or or uh, your name on on Instagram and any other places where uh, people can yeah. go to uh, follow you. Yeah, uh, it's like tennis, and then how you call it in English? The underline is it uh, underline underscore or something like that? Yeah, yeah tennis yeah. underscore house, and then the house is H A U S. Mm -hmm. And the uh, same when you go to Facebook and look at the groups, it's like tennis and then H A U S, and same for the tennis house page. And um, yeah, that's like with the other platforms as well, like TikTok, it's <laughs> the same tennis house. And uh, yeah, TikTok is funny though. I, I, man, I, I love, I love you TikTok. You dancing there, on there? There are guys that are really, <laughs> really fun on, funny on there. And I just love to watch it. Like guys, I have a couple of favorites. It's not tennis related. I just love to watch the videos. So I think it's, it's, it's a cool platform as well. And yeah, so the main one is tennis, and then the under underline there H A U S on Instagram, on YouTube as well. I just uh, I will start posting next year a little bit more YouTube content, which will be uh, my follow. Uh, a lot of followers ask me if I can do longer videos on certain topics. So um, at the beginning of next year, I will take a week or something and shoot like hundred videos or something, <laughs> and do like five to ten minute videos on certain topics and what's important what i just wanted to say is you know there's joe myers is out there a great friend of mine very good like ryan we're very good, good friends mm -hmm. um we have that that's a cool thing we can talk about the same thing but we have a different approach right you know like the party hat for example he teaches the party hat right brian double teaches to roll the ball one of the tools we have right i like to relax the fingers and the index and the thumb and go so we talk about the same topic but we have different approaches and that's what's cool about it um mm -hmm. that we we exchange info and we we are all in contact with each other and you know the um, what's his name gaston from brazil yeah. um there's so many good guys out there you you, you can learn from obviously brian double um yeah there, there are hundreds of good coaches out there so it's it's a good you're fantastic i love what you do and uh yeah and then oh one more thing for yeah next year instagram lies um since tennis house got a little bit bigger and i did those lies before with uh, philippuses and peers uh, they're gonna be really good names like top 20 players like four or five top 20 players female and male um that's gonna come and coaches too that's i'm excited about it so yeah that's another good good thing you gotta follow uh Devorin in, in Tennis House, man. I mean, how can you miss like top twenty player interviews? That would be, that would be a mistake. <laughs> so um, yeah. yeah, totally. I, I you guys gotta gotta follow uh, Tennis House for sure.
Is there anything else before I ask you my classic last question? Anything else that you want to share with us or talk about that that you know maybe I haven't asked you about? Ah, I just you know just want to say that um, you know you and I we do like similar things. We want to help and educate, and I just think um, you know social media is a good way to communicate and a good way to educate if it's used right. You know, if you if if it's not used right, can everything you do can can be maybe contraproductive. But what I, I wanted just to thank every coach that shares gave me permission to share their stuff. Every coach that sends me daily hundreds of videos. Um, all all those guys built the house. That's why it came the name. You know, I wanted the house where you have everything in there. You can still obviously, you know, you like Sean Myers. He's the first one who's going to post it. You're going to see it there. But I like to have it, too, in the house because, you know, if some people like to see different things as well, mm-hmm. then they're going to find it. So that's what I, what I like about it, you know. And I just want to thank all the coaches and, and all the followers. It's been, it's been a great ride, you know. Everybody is friendly, and it's, it's just a, it's, it's, it's really cool. So it's, it's, been, it's been a nice, nice, fun five years now, you know, five years. Flies by, yeah, Man, no. five years. Yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I echo that, and it's really cool. You know, I found that you know, for the most part, like ninety, ninety-five percent of the time, like mm-hmm. you know, all the all the coaches and everybody, it's not like we're you know sword fighting people and trying to do our own thing. Like we were promoting everybody yeah. else, and everybody is yeah. benefiting. I mean, the students are benefiting by getting exposure to different teachings. So it's really, really wonderful. Yeah. Um, Agree and, with you. Yeah. You always have people who don't like you, but I mean, you know, that's just yeah. how it is, right? You can, you know, you run a tournament, you have two people that complain. You run an event, you have one, two people who complain. You do a drill, one person. Oh, people are always going to be, you know, and it's good. It should be that way, right? And, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, it's constructive criticism, which is good. And, you know, and sometimes <laughs> maybe not, but yeah. we, we, I was, you know, I was so far I've had really good experiences. What about you? Anything? Anything you want to let out as a last thoughts? Oh, wow. Uh, last thought. No, I mean, I, I before I ask you my question, I just want to, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want uh, everybody to just try to improve themselves, you know, 1% every single day. And, you know, there's a lot of information out there, obviously, but, um, you know, I would just say to try to like pick the one or two areas uh, at the moment that you are having trouble with, you know, and then to find information about that particular area like you know let's say if you're having trouble on the serve you know you go to divorce account and you look and you see you know what advice does he have on there and then you make a plan of action like divorce does you know for his uh whether it's teaching or or posting and then you lay it out and then you 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 book it on your calendar okay i got you know three times a week for one hour i'm gonna work on my serve and you do that and then you know once it becomes second nature then you move on to the next thing so yeah, I mean it's kind of random, but I, I think that's that's an important uh, concept that you well, know maybe will help have a you. Plan, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. This goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. So, so Devor, uh, last question for you. I mean, you've given us a lot of great tips, but uh, what is one key tip that you can give us to help our audience improve their tennis games? One key tip to improve their games. Yes, out of the millions. <laughs> Probably heard it a lot of times, but. 
most, the biggest advice is because it can happen in any match when you crumble and you lose it, right? We always have to go back to the basics. Yeah. And it's coming back to to life lessons, keep a 10. Anything that's too fancy on your strokes, that's, for example, talk about the volley. You have a too big of a backswing on a volley and you want to kill everyone most likely going to be laid on the ball. You're over hitter, you hit out. Keep it, you know, you always think that there's another person let's take this volley example you you know so many players try to think they kill volleys you don't win a volley you don't hit a volley winner out of the from the service line area right so you have to you have to gradually prepare and it's with all the shots and then uh you have a human being on the other side you don't have to do something super spectacular you just have to make sure you keep it keep it simple Mm-hmm. and compact and you you're gonna have a good time on the court that's 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 my advice you know relax keep it simple uh, if you crumble on the court get back to the basics nothing fancy on the court tennis i'm just a game of consistency and one person is going to make an error and then there are two human beings playing two human beings people always think they play federer over there but <laughs> the other person makes mistakes too you know yeah, hundred percent. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because my college tennis coach, you know, over here in the states, um, or sorry, in Maryland, he, whenever people had issues or they were having mental uh, breakdowns or whatever, he say, just go back mm-hmm. to the basics, back to the basics. So, yeah, um, yeah, love it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that you coach know, was smart. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> smart like you. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, Devora, you know, thanks again. Uh, I just want to acknowledge you for all the great things you're doing for the tennis community. And, you know, like I said, you know, it's not, you, you've got a family, you're a full-time job, and then you're posting like, you know, eight times in 24 hours, like on Instagram. It's like, this guy is definitely passionate about uh, tennis and, you know, it's all positive, you know, instruction to help everybody improve or, or like really cool, you know, tennis things, uh, other clips. So, um, keep up the great work and thanks a lot for coming on to the tennis Falls podcast. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll talk again very soon and, uh, excited for you, uh, for what's in store for 2021 and beyond for you. So thanks again. Thank you, everyone. Same year. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, felt like, you know, got to know you a little bit better as well. And, uh, that, that was, that was a fun talk. You do an outstanding job. It's not, you know, I do. So, I did a lot of lives. It's not uh, easy to keep it fun, productive, and you know, having good info on there. So I think you do an outstanding job with that. And same for you. Keep the passion up you have, and I know we're gonna see each other hopefully next year. That COVID thing is gonna be done, and then uh, we can see each other maybe at some tournaments or mm-hmm. anywhere at a conference or something. Yeah, that can't wait for that. Um, you know, knock on wood. I hope that that's that's soon. And uh, thanks a lot, Devor. Appreciate it again. And thanks everybody for uh, listening. So, um, yeah, have a great one, and and we'll definitely talk again soon. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Coach Devor Dakaris. And Devor, thanks a lot for coming on to the show. It was really fun to do that interview with you. And I definitely learned a lot. And I'm gonna go back through it. Uh, I know we talked on the show about you know, just producing so much content that a lot of times I'm not able to go back over it. You know, while I'm interviewing, I do learn a lot, but sometimes I'm trying to figure out, you know, what the next question should be at the same time. So uh, I hope that I, uh, not hope, but I will be going back through this for sure. A lot of great stuff on it. So I really hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a 
review for the Tennis Files podcast and you can leave one on Apple Podcasts. That's probably, to be frank, the the most helpful one overall. But I think, uh, you know, anywhere you, you can would, would be great and would be of service to me to figure out, you know, what I'm doing well, hopefully something and uh, what I can improve upon. Always just want to do my best to serve you through the content here. And so let me know what you want to hear and topics and so forth. And uh, yeah, so I'd also uh, just want to leave you with a quote, as I often love to do at the end of the show. And this one is by the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama said, if you lose, don't lose the lesson. Very powerful quote there, you know, just uh, seven words. But, you know, that's something when we're playing tennis and we lose, we don't have a good day. It's it's very important to, uh, as I mentioned in the show, to to reflect and also devoid it to, to, to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? I, I didn't play well. I didn't try hard today. I uh, didn't implement the proper strategy and so forth. And then just, just uh, train that and improve and do better. Just do better. All right. With that, I am going to end this episode after a few more words, which is just basically me talking right now. Those are the words, but I want to wish you all the best and to stay safe. And, uh, you know, it's just really a blast to do this interview and I'm looking forward to doing many more for you along with solo episodes as well. Um, I find that that's a fun mix and I think you all enjoy it. So, all right, all the best you all have a fantastic day, week, month, and year and be safe. And I will see you on the next episode of the tennis Files Podcast. This is Mirban Aranshad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.